you will turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. That's page 812 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along. And if you don't have a Bible, I want yours to take home with you. Please take it and read it. It's God's Word. Would you stand with me, church? We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, and going to the end of the chapter. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. This is God's word. You may be seated. Father in heaven, we ask this morning that you would give us understanding. Not just that we would understand this this very simple word picture that our Savior has given us, but that we would understand why it is that sometimes we, we see such clarity in Scripture and yet we don't obey you. Would you search our hearts this morning? And would you bring up from the depths of our hearts, from those hidden areas that we have walled off? Would you reveal to us the areas where we are not in obedience to Christ? Where we are not in submission to Christ? And where we are trying to find our own salvation and our own sense of righteousness apart from our Savior Jesus Christ. Would you show us those things this morning? God, I pray for those who are in, in any level or, or a bit of disbelief this morning. Would you give them faith? A faith that goes all the way. A faith that, that brings about obedience. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this, friends, is the, the 21st and the last sermon I will preach on a message that Jesus did in one sitting. <laughs> At the end of this message, you will have listened to 14 some odd hours of preaching around a 30-minute sermon. But that preacher was Jesus, and I am not Jesus. And there is a lot to be said about the things that Jesus said, because the things that Jesus said are loaded, just packed, aren't they? A lot of what Jesus has taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, as we have walked through it together over these last six months, they're not simple ideas. They're not just little proverbs. But Jesus has has brought us heart-searching words that have challenged each one of us. No, they've challenged me. And so you'll find that this week is no different. Even though this, this word picture that Jesus gives us is one that we're all very familiar with, it's, it's really simple. 
isn't it? Small children can understand what Jesus is showing us here. Little kids know that that when you build a a Lego house on, on one of those green Lego foundations and you put it on a hard table, that 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 Lego house is a lot more stable than the one that you build without the foundation on the carpet, right? One will withstand the the, the storm of the baby brother, and one won't. This is meant to be a very simple, very easy parable for us to comprehend. And while it's easy to grasp, I think we'll see that it's just loaded with with deeper meaning. One, One teacher Gregory the Great from the 500s AD says that the word of God is a river that's shallow enough for a lamb to walk in, but it's deep enough for an elephant to swim in. The shallow and yet true sense for us lambs here is what we see in verse 24. Would you look at verse 24 with me? It's a very simple principle. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In this analogy, I think we can see that this house, you should be able to see this is the man's life, right? This is not about construction. This is about how you build your life. The house is this man's life, and the solid foundation, the rock, is is what? It's hearing and obeying Christ. That's a follow-up to last week. This is just a repeat of what we saw in verse 21 last week. Look back with me at verse 21. Jesus taught us last week, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. The one who obeys the will of the Father is the one who enters the kingdom of heaven. The, The parallel then, you look at the two verses The one who hears and obeys Christ is the one who does the will of the Father. The one who does the will of the Father is the one who enters heaven. The one who hears and obeys Christ is the one who withstands the storm. So then what is the storm? The storm is judgment day. Floods and storms are often a symbol for God's judgment. Think of the flood in Genesis chapter 6. It's judgment, right? In Proverbs 10.25, it is the tempest, a storm, that brings judgment on the wicked. Look what the author of Proverbs says. When the tempest passes, the wicked is no no more. I don't know why we still use tempest in modern translations, but we do. It's a storm. When the storm passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. Isaiah 28.2, Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters, he casts down to the earth with his hand. Judgment, isn't it? So there it is, a life established on hearing and obeying the word of God, the will of the Father, the words of the Son, that's a life that endures judgment. And as we saw last week, that life is rooted in love for Christ. John 14, 15 says what? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Which comes first? Love. And our love for Christ is always a response to his love for us. His knowing us. Do you remember that from last week? So then the second house. 
Look at the second house, the foolish man's house, the foolish man's life. Look at verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What's the difference between these two? Well, both men hear Christ. They're both there. They both hear him. The wise man obeys. He does what Jesus says. The foolish man hears but does not obey. He doesn't do what Jesus says. And that man doesn't withstand the judgment. Look at verse 27. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Well, it seems really simple. And so we read this little story here or in our children's Bibles or we sing the wise men built his house upon the rock. We know these songs. We see the, the, the flannel board story or we hear a sermon on this text for the umpteenth time. And what do we conclude? It's a very simple conclusion. Okay, build your life upon hearing and living out Jesus' teachings or be liable to the judgment of God. This is not complicated, is it? That's the simple to comprehend truth. The, the shallow part of the river for the lambs to swim in. But then us old elephants, we recognize that there's a problem here. Something that causes us to have to go deeper out into the river. The problem is that even though this teaching seems so straightforward... It seems so simple. Jesus is talking to people who are right there listening to him. And they're going to walk away and completely disregard what he says. And there are many people that you and I know. Maybe it's even you. Maybe it's you. People will listen to the word of God and hear Jesus speak through his word. And yet will still, despite this warning will still build their lives upon something other than hearing and obeying the word of Christ. They feign to be Christians, but their faith is not rooted in love for Christ. So here's what we're going to do today. You understand this text. What we're going to do today is ask, why is it that way? Or, or, Or I guess, why not? How is it possible To hear the word of Christ and walk away unchanged. To walk away not resolved to to, to obey him. There are three answers we're going to look at today. The first reason why someone can hear Jesus teach so clearly and yet disregard his teaching is that the cost of discipleship, the cost of truly following Christ seems so great and the payoff seems so little in other words they conclude it's not worth it and so this this crowd this group of people they take the more appealing option they'll go halfway they'll get just enough Jesus to appear righteous but not enough to let go of the world From this perspective, you you get a lot of the benefits of Christianity without a lot of the cost. That's 
I know this perspective because that's the kind of student that I was in high school and college. I knew that I could work really, really hard for the A or coast and get a B. B's, being what they are, were good enough. And you get a lot of the same benefits that you get with an A, with half the work. I don't, I don't remember actually consciously reasoning it out this way, but the basic math goes something like this. Read the Cliff Notes version of Moby Dick and get a decent grade on the test, or spend an extra 15 hours reading the entire book and maybe get an A, maybe not. From a cost-benefit analysis, the A isn't worth it. It's not a sure bet. The risk is too great. Now think about how that compares to these two houses. On the outside, these two homes, they look the same. Right? The only, there's nothing different about them on the outside. They have the same architecture. They, they fit this style for their climate and for their culture. The roofs have the same pitch. The walls are made with the same stuff. The flooring is made with the same material. The windows are in the same places. Everything in this house is the same. Unless you get to the foundation. Unless you get to the foundation, you can't tell the difference between these two homes. And in the same way, unless you probe down to the heart, the outside observer can't tell the difference between a life that's truly built on hearing and obeying Christ and a life built with many of the same outward actions, the same religious material. Somebody going for the veneer of Christianity without the true foundation will probably gather with the church. At least occasionally. Maybe, maybe just for Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day, but they'll be there. They'll, they'll probably get baptized at some point in their life. They'll probably insist that their kids learn the basics of the faith. And so they'll go to a church that must have a good kids program, right? Because that's what's important. Make sure the kids understand. So to the outside observer, a good deal of their life will appear very much the same as the house built on Christ. And this person will build their life this way because they believe they can do just enough to get by. They can do enough to appear Christian. And to them, that's what counts. It's a total misunderstanding of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about making the grade. It's not that the really holy, sold-out Jesus freak Christians are the ones getting A's. And if you just wing it and pray the sinner's prayer and do a few churchy things in your life, you can get B's and C's and get to heaven. Maybe your heavenly house will be smaller. okay? And maybe God will give you a bicycle instead of a Cadillac. But when you get there, you'll be there. And you're going, right? You did the bare minimum to get there. That's not the gospel. That's a distortion of the gospel. That's easy believism. 
That's cheap grace. It's an imitation of the gospel. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is more like this. Life before God is pass-fail. And everyone fails. On your own, you can work and work and work and you get an F. Or you can not work at all and you get an F. Everyone fails because of the sin that is within us. There is no one righteous before God. Is there? Not even one. Jesus said our righteousness must exceed, surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees. And these guys were basically perfect on the outside. If anyone is getting A's, it's the scribes and Pharisees. They studied, they did all the work, they thought necessary, and Jesus says, F is for Pharisee. They didn't do enough. Our work is not enough. The Pharisees' work is not enough. But Jesus is different. Jesus said at the beginning of this sermon, way back in chapter 5, he came to fulfill the law. And fulfilling the law, or rather being the fulfillment of the law, he would be the standard of righteousness. And so he fulfilled the law by perfectly obeying it and by being the one to whom the law had always pointed. So then Christ is the source of all righteousness. He's the one who takes the test and gets the pass. He's the one who inaugurates the kingdom of heaven. And if you want in, you have to come to terms with your own spiritual poverty and repent not just of everything you've done. You've got to repent of who you are. A sinner who's totally unable totally unable to do anything pleasing to God outside of Christ. You have to repent and die to your old self and be born again into Christ. And in Christ, you have a righteousness that comes from the heart because your heart has been made new, made pure by the Holy Spirit. And with that new spirit-born heart, you have new desires. The beginning of the sermon, Jesus said that, that those desires are like hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Those are the people to whom the kingdom belongs. And those people who have been shown mercy will show mercy. Remember all of that? Back at the very beginning of chapter 5? A, a life built on the solid foundation of hearing and obeying Christ is a life where the gospel has become core to your identity. Jesus Christ has replaced your old identity, and so you live and you walk in Him. And that walk looks like love for Him and obedience to Him. The person who thinks she can be a halfway Christian just by appearing to be Christian has fundamentally misunderstood that gospel. Their house will not withstand the storm. True Christian hears the gospel, understands it, and then repents and grabs a hold of Jesus Christ because there is nothing else secure. The second reason I think we see houses still being built on sand after 2,000 years is it's just it's simple disbelief. Just disbelief. Not disbelief that Jesus is Savior. Not disbelief that he is worth 
obeying, but disbelief that God is actually judge. Fundamentally, someone who builds their house on sand doesn't believe that there will ever be a storm. Now, in order to get this, you've got to know a little bit about the cultural context to what Jesus is speaking to. Building on the sand versus building on the rock is a reference to conventional wisdom, old conventional wisdom in the Middle East. Should you build your house down in the dry riverbed or up above the riverbed on the rock? In the Middle East, much like Southern California, the riverbeds, what they call wadis, are dry in the summer and they're flowing with water in the spring when the storms come and the snow melts from the mountains. Let me read to you something that I came across in the Gulf News. This is a newspaper from the Emirates. And I don't, in case you're wondering, I don't always read letters to the editor in Middle Eastern newspapers. Okay. <laughs> I'm not always looking for sermon illustrations, though. But he, here's, here's what the writer says when he's writing in, uh, just like a letter to the editor in any of our newspapers would say. The, the writer says, We need to stop building in the wadis. The flash floods that the Fujairah police have issued videos about have been happening in Fujairah from time to time in the past. It's important to raise awareness on this natural occurrence. But what is new is all the homes coming up without respecting the natural environment. If there was no construction in the wadi beds, there would not have been any material damages from these rainstorms. At the moment, he says, you can see dozens of villas in small villages under construction in these areas. They're getting closer and closer to the beach. What do you think will happen with climate change? More wadi floods, raising sea levels. We are seeing material damages because that is the consequence of foolish development. Our ancestors knew that for centuries, and it took us only 10 years to build everywhere without respect for nature. This is from Mr. Frederick Rambod in Fujairah. Apparently, in Fujairah, in the United Arab Emirates, because of the population boom, they're running out of cheap land. And so the developments are popping up in the exact places that for centuries, people know only fools build their houses there. I love how Frederick said this. Our, our ancestors have known this for centuries. Everybody knows don't build in the wadis. Don't build on the sandy areas down by the creeks and rivers because when the rains come, the waters will rise and you will lose your home. The, the only people who build homes in the wadis are the people who don't believe the rains will ever come. Maybe it's been dry for their whole lives. All they've seen is, is drought and, and dry sunshine. And they just don't believe that the rains will ever come back. They've never seen the flooding with their eyes, so they don't believe it will happen. The only people who hear the word of Christ and then do not obey it are people who don't believe the storm will ever come. They don't believe that God really will judge them. They've, they've heard Jesus. They've read these verses dozens of times 
But their dad lived like this and he did fine. Their brother lived like this. He did fine. Their neighbor lives like this and he seems to be doing okay. And all these people are good, honest, decent, hardworking people. They're successful. So why should I do any different? Remember, both of these houses look the same to the outsider. The house built in the sandy wadi and the house built on the rocky high ground looks the same until the storm comes. And if the storm never comes, well, then there's nothing to worry about. And because it's a lot easier to just build in the wadi, why not build the easy and cheap way? It's easier to dig a well closer to where the old river ran. It's easier to grow your crops down where it's easier to get water. Everything is easier by the riverbed. May as well build there if there will never be a storm. If there's really no judgment coming, then Christianity is just about what works. So you can take all the Christian stuff that makes this life better and abandon the stuff that makes this life harder. Loving others. That's a Christian idea. And it really does make for a more peaceful life, doesn't it? So do that. Following the Bible's instruction about marriage. That's actually a good idea. It aligns with God's design for humanity. It's it's like natural law. Your life really is happier if you are faithful to your spouse. So do that. Even, Even Ben Franklin, who wasn't a Christian, he said, honesty is the best policy. So we'll do that. We'll take that and put it in our things that are Christian-y that I do. The Bible says being financially indebted to someone is being enslaved to them. Best to avoid that, right? Less debt makes for an easier life, a more prosperous life. We can do that. That's desirable in this life. The Bible encourages working and planning for the future. That makes for a better life now. So let's do that. There's lots of really good advice in the Bible. A lot of things that make this life more peaceful, more more prosperous, and easier. Even a fool can see that. And so he picks out the good teachings of the Bible and lives his life according to those, and he does pretty well for himself. But what about the hard stuff? What about the stuff that Jesus taught that we don't like? Stuff that makes this life harder. Like what he told us about our love for money. And we can't serve God and money. We have to choose one. What about the stuff he taught us about our wondering eyes? You remember that? How if a man just looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery with her? What about anger? How if you just in your heart become angry with a brother... You've murdered him. And that stuff about anxiety, that's impossible to obey, right? So we just set that aside. And the teachings about turning the other cheek and going the extra mile, loaning to people you don't like, loving your enemy, none of those things make this life easier. In fact, those things don't seem to make a difference in this life at all. And so... We don't take those as seriously. And maybe it's sinful. Maybe it's sinful to have hearts that aren't oriented towards all of Jesus' teachings. But that inward secret sin, it's not that serious, right? 
Nobody gets hurt. The only sin that's truly evil is the outward stuff, right? Besides, there's no storm coming. If God is love, surely he wouldn't judge me, right? But if this life isn't all there is, if God really is judge, if he really is judge, then our motivation to live in Christ, even in the secret thoughts of our hearts, that motivation becomes a whole lot greater, doesn't it? If there really is a storm coming, then we are right to fear God as judge. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the wise man builds his house on the rock. If there really is a judgment day coming, then it would be good to seek a righteousness that only comes from Christ. Even if there's no immediate benefit to us. Even if it actually makes this life more difficult. Even if it means, as Christ said it did, that there would be persecution. Living a life of true, wholehearted righteousness is glorifying to him. And glorifying him, that's why we're created. The third reason I think some people build on the, hand, on the sand, despite Jesus' teaching, is simply this. They've been deceived Some false teacher said, go ahead, it's okay, it's safe. They use Bible verses. They've got notebooks full of things God told them. They're friendly and they're winsome and they're on TV and they sell bestsellers. But the last thing you'll ever hear them talk about is judgment. You cannot grow a megachurch talking about stuff like that. So instead they say, everything's going to be fine. Just be positive. Just think positive thoughts. Just be kind. Just be loving. Let me read you from Ezekiel, a passage that many of Jesus' hearers would have been familiar with. And you're going to see a lot of parallels between our passage this morning and this passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 13, verses 8 through 14. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you have uttered, he's speaking to the false teachers, because you have uttered falsehood and seen lying visions, therefore behold, I'm against you, declares the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and who give lying divinations. They shall not be in the council of my people, nor be enrolled in the register of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord God. Precisely because they have misled my people, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when the people build a wall, these prophets smear it with whitewash. Say to those who smear it with whitewash that it shall fall. There will be a deluge of rain. And you, O great hailstones, will fall. And a stormy wind break out. And when the wall falls... Will it not be said to you, where is the coating with which you smeared it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a stormy wind break out in my wrath, and there shall be a deluge of rain in my anger and great hailstones in wrath to make a full end. 
And I will break down the wall that you've smeared with whitewash and bring it to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you shall perish in the midst of it and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see some of the parallels here? They're bright. For one, the judgment comes in the form of a storm. The other interesting parallel is that the false prophets whitewash the walls that the people have built to protect themselves from judgment. So Ezekiel's point is that no self-made wall will protect you from God's judgment. Nothing you can do protects you. A true prophet knows that. Only abiding in Christ, the God-built wall, protects you. But the false prophets say, they want, to dis- they want the people to like them. So rather than telling the people the truth that your wall will not stand, they say, let's make the wall prettier. Let's whitewash it so that they appear even better than they are and give the people a false assurance. False teachers always tell the people what they want to hear. They say, look at what a wonderful wall you've built. Peace. Where there is no peace. They say everything's going fine. Everything's okay. Even while the people listening to them are on the road to perdition. And so some people hearing from their own pastors. Their own teachers. That building on the sand is okay. Because that's how you can live the easiest and the best life now. There's there's no judgment. There's no need to fear God. So what do people do? If that's what the teachers are telling them. Well, they, they build their lives in such a way that they truly believe everything will be okay. And they honestly believe that. So long as they pay lip service to God. Or use the right words. But the storm will come. God doesn't withhold judgment from deceived people. He doesn't withhold judgment just because someone has been deceived. Now, the false prophet will get double judgment, right? We know that. He will get doubly judged, but the deceived don't escape the torrent just because they've been deceived. The rains will fall. The winds will come. The hail will come. The water will beat against the house and it will fall. And great will be its fall. And with that last sentence, great was the fall of it. Jesus just ends what is probably the most famous sermon in the history of the entire world. Great was the fall of it. There's no, there's no altar call. There's no call for prayer. He doesn't say, make a decision. He doesn't play just as I am a hundred times over. He just finishes saying what he has to say, and then what does Jesus do? He just walks away. Think about the weight of that. What, what he's just speaking for 30 minutes he's, he's preached and then he says some of you will despite everything I've just said will continue to build your house in the sand and there will be judgment and that's it 
He walks away. And he leaves the people listening with nothing but this sobering reminder, this cautionary parable. There will be some who hear everything. And by the Spirit's power, they will die to themselves in obedience to Christ and repent and believe and live their new lives in Christ. And there will be people who are right there with them and will have heard everything exactly the same. They hear everything he says. They stayed for the entire sermon. Some will stay with him for the next three years. Thinking they can get by just by following him around. It's kind of being with that crowd. And by appearing good to the outsiders. They, could, they believe that they can get by with a goodness, a righteousness that's just a little bit better than the next guy. And Jesus is haunting Conclusion is what? It will not survive. It will not survive this judgment that's coming. Whether it's a misunderstanding of the gospel that led to that, or a misunderstanding or a, a, a lesser estimation of their own sin that has led to this life outside of Christ, or if they were just deceived by some teacher that came along, it doesn't matter. The storm still comes. That's Christ's conclusion. And then look how Matthew describes the people's reaction to this. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Scribes didn't teach with authority. They taught the law, but not with Christ's authority. And the people are astonished. They are amazed. When they hear the voice of Jesus, they hear the same voice that brought creation into existence. Everyone knows this God-man has authority. The only question that I leave you with this morning is will you submit to his authority? Let's pray.